sing, sat down at the piano. Everybody, today our guest is Kristen Davis. Give it up for Kristen. Yay. Kristen, um, I, I, I want to ask, though, because we've talked about your name and, of course, you've gotten all sorts of things. But have you ever introduced yourself like it's Christian, but no H, so it's Kristen? No, I just usually say Kristen and then people just fuck it up and then it is what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it, nobody gets it right. And I don't typically correct people if I don't think I'm going to see them again. It doesn't bother me. But if it's somebody that's going to be around for a while, I might let them fuck it up a few times and then, then correct them. Like, I used to say... The easiest way to remember it, I have a girl's name, but now I think people get bummed out when you say that. But my sister's got a boy's name. So it was always like, it was Kristen and Sean as my sister. So oh. that was the easiest way to be like, my parents are crazy. And that was, yeah, because it like, sounds like a great band name. My parents <laughs> Kristen are and Sean. Oh, I was going to say Kristen my parents. And Sean? My yeah, parents are yeah. But you got you to spell Sean like with some weird way of spelling it. Wait, can I ask you something? Why did they tell you why they did that? No, and it's and so my sister and I have different dads. So okay. I think ah. my mom's a crazy person. Although <laughs> my dad named me. So it's a big weird okay. stupid thing. But it's it's my entire life people have been like misgendering me. Like when I first started working in like office situations where we had to email, I used to get like thanks honey and oh god all that stuff all the time. And like I would just like I thought it was funny, so I would just respond really masculinely, like "No problem, bro," and then like, <laughs> like, funny thing. And then, and now it's like, uh oh, yeah, can't do that. So we're trying to be a little better about it. But did it's you, uh, did you have anxiety about that? Did you have anxiety like on? Did you have anxiety like on first days of school, where you have like the new teacher and they're calling everybody out, and you have to say here, and you knew they're going to screw up your name. Or did nah, you not care? I, I just, it's funny because like everybody is like, "Why don't you just go by Chris?" I'm like, "Cause that's not my name." Yeah. And you know, and it's weird when I'll say my name to somebody and be like, "Hi, I'm Kristen," and they'll be like, "Nice to meet you, Chris." And I'm like, "That's not at all what I just told you my name is." Yeah. <laughs> no, I I get it. Calling me that. That's no. Your, that's on you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, I get that, man. Because like on TV and whatever, you know, I mean, in in the media, you know, it's BD. But to like my friends, family, and everything. It's Bobby, and because I come from Wisconsin, it's even a, it, it's Bob. So yeah. it, it's to, it, which mm -hmm. sounds really really weird when you come from Wisconsin, because like you know, I was guys driving there. I was driving the other day, and uh, I was looking down the street there. And let me tell you something: we went right by because I needed one of those six pack. You know the the kind that gives you the Baker's dozen kind though of beers. You know the tall ones. You know the Mickey Big Mouth. And so then I'm driving down the way there, and I look across the street, and son of a buck, there's Bob Freeman. I said to my wife, I said, look, there's Bob Freeman. I can't believe it. You know, I mean, that's how they, that's how they talk in Wisconsin. Right? Yeah. And, uh, so, and so people call me Bob and I hate it and I can't get them to stop. Yeah. I always say, I introduce mm -hmm. myself as Bobby. Yeah. Oh, Bob. Nice to meet you there. Yeah. Hey, I want your ass. Yeah. You're, you're a funny guy. And you want to go like, what did I just tell you my name was? I don't like, like, why okay, did you, you shorten it? Like why Bob is a dude that's playing bowling, you know, on Wednesday nights with the uh, propane league. You yeah. know, it's like my name is Bobby, man. Not, but I, I, I get it. Pretty angry. easy game. I say the word and you say it back to me the same way I said it to you, and then we're all working working together. You wow. Know? <laughs> so people, so people just get intimidated by us when they. Meet you. No, I don't think anybody's intimidated by me. I think it's like, no, I'm not calling you that. That sounds stupid. I'm going to call you what I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming from somebody named Ro, I completely understand all. Did you have that? Did you have that? All the time, literally.
But I just did one of those TikToks about it. Like, I've been called Rio. I've been called Mo. I've been called Rue. I've been called um, <laughs> Rosemary. My last name, my like my stage name is Della Grazie, so they call me Rodell. All the, it happens so, all the time. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I'm kind of the same way. Like when I used to bartend, if somebody called me Mo, I'm like, eh, I don't care. I'm, I I don't like this person but, anyway. <laughs> I don't like. My wife's name's Geneva, and so people fuck her name up really bad too. It's always Guinevere or Genevieve, Genevieve, yep. and all that stuff. And I'm like, just. Just say the word back the way it was just told you, and you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> People don't seem to be able to get grasp that concept uh, as, as easily as you'd think they would. Hey, let me ask you about this, man. Now, you are an accomplished, accomplished, accomplished musician. I wish I could play like you do, man, but I'm still learning. Okay. But uh, tell me all about Great A's. So, Great A's, uh, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So, I went to high school with the reason Great A's is important is Chester Bennington. I think we can all agree about that um yeah. mm -hmm. more than that but that's kind of why we're, we're we're doing this thing so chester and i went to high school together so the first time i ever saw chester bennington perform was at lunch in high school oh, and we were cool. both like 15 years old and when you hear that kid scream it was obvious that he was a superstar on day one you know wow. so but he and i weren't in the same band so i had a band he had a band and after high school we kind of um and he's a, he's a year younger than me so I, I knew Chester really well, but we kind of hung out with different groups because we were just a year older. And then once we graduated from high school, we kind of both dove right into the music, like was everything to us. So Grey Days was a band that was um, getting popular. So they started Grey Days and they were getting popular. And I was in a couple other bands um, and doing my thing. And I actually got a couple of record deals too, but obviously I didn't, didn't make it quite to where Chester yeah. did. Um, and then, you know, I, I pursued music till I was like 30. I had a couple record deals. I toured the world. I got to play on David Letterman. I played in Japan. I did a bunch of really cool stuff, but not quite enough to, at some point I said, all right, I better figure out a way to make a living because um, I didn't strike it rich or hit the jackpot. So it was going to be, um, you know, starving artist or I need to figure out how to make a living. So when I was 30 years old, I decided I, I'm going to get into a different line of work and I'll do music as a, a hobby. And it's kind of, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but that's when I got into comedy. So I was like, but I'm not going to be playing in bands anymore. I still want to be creative. I still want to do something. Right. So I'll do comedy. And then that's a one man show and I can do it at my leisure instead of having other people depend on me and that type of thing. But yeah. fast forward to 2016, my, another crazy thing that kind of happened to me is like my, my mom passed away. Oh. And when that happened um, to keep my mind occupied and kind of stay busy, I sold my house and I bought some land and I built the house that I live in, the, what's behind me. I literally, me and my dad built this place with our, my two hands. Cause I was like, really? let's get a project. that's going to take all my time. So we started building this house. Um, and Sean Dowdell, the drummer of great days called me and he's a good friend of mine. I've, I've owned a business with him. He owns club tattoo and I designed some software that is his consultation software in his, uh, his shop. So we work together and we're super good friends and we used to play for fun every once in a while with jams he played drums i just bring the guitar and um he said we're putting gray days back together and we want to know if you want to join and i said you know of course i do and, and the reason they needed a, a guitar player was the original guitar player uh bobby benish got a brain tumor in 2001 and he passed away so he wasn't he wasn't able to be with the reunion and they decided that they they wanted a guitar player and they they called me and because I knew Chester and because I knew Sean and 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 my relationship with them and I was in a fairly popular bands in Phoenix it just made sense to bring me in and you know one of the things was I wasn't going to be a weirdo around Chester you know what I mean so yeah. there was a million guys they could have asked to do this but um some of them might have been 
uncomfortable around Chester and I wouldn't because I've known, you know, I, yeah. or, I, I said or, this in a million interviews, but like I only say I never met Chester from Lincoln Park. I've only met my friend from high school because he never changed. You know what I mean? He never right. acted differently. And there was many years in between him becoming a big superstar and me not seeing him. Um, but the second I saw him again, it was a hug. It was like I, I saw him walking through uh, a mall at uh, in Vegas because they did a launch of uh, the club tattoo shop that he co-owns with the drummer Sean Dowdell. Um, and Sean invited me because I did the software stuff. So I was just walking in the mall and Chester was walking by with all of his people. We were all going to the same place. They were doing a uh, an acoustic show. And he saw me walking by and he yelled at me and he's like, hey, and he, I came over, gave him a big hug. It was him and his wife and his kids and his whole entourage. And he's like, no, you're coming with me. And like, it was like, it's that kind of thing. I mean, he was just a sweetheart mm-hmm. always. He never changed. And I, I think that's a really cool thing. I've, I've gotten to meet a lot of celebrities and they're not all as cool as Chester. You know yeah. what I mean? Some of them have an ego and I, I get it, you know, um, it's part of the game too, but some people are able to maintain their, um, authenticism i guess if that's a word um their on authenticness or whatever but he was always the same guy that i knew when we were 15 and i thought that was one of the coolest things about him was he's yeah. just super humble super sweetheart super funny and he'd he'd do anything for for his friends oh that's so like so, that's just like oh yeah i mean it's so to come back to the the question at hand was like the great ace thing so they asked me to do it and i was like yeah of course so I was in the middle of building a house, but I was like, I will make time to do this. So I started listening to the songs. And as soon as I started listening to the greatest songs again, I, I hadn't heard them in 15 years or something, you know, um, mm-hmm. I started listening to him again. I'm like, wow, I can't believe how good he was even back then. And, you know, I kind of knew, but when we were all kind of peers, it's easy to be like, we all think we're as good as each other. And then yeah. I listened back and I'm like, oh no, there was a distinct difference between what he was doing and what, uh, what, everybody else was doing so it, it's amazing to just hear his, his voice and then we started rehearsing because we were going to do it was meant to be one show and so we started rehearsing and um Chester was on tour with Lincoln Park he was going to come home for a few days stay with his family and then he had a photo shoot in Los Angeles and he was coming to Phoenix to to hook up with us we'd already gotten the music ready and it was just him coming in and rehearsing getting ready for the show and the day that he went back to Los Angeles is when he took his life and so that next day phone starts blowing up you know of course everybody's contacting all of us and, and giving us the news and like i was literally listening to him sing in gray days when i my phone started blowing up and i got that call so i was listening to nuance the music make sure i had the parts right and everything and it was like i just i i worked from home i literally just went in my room and told my wife and both laid there in the bed and cried for a minute you know it was uh it, it was weird because it's um i almost can tear up right now talking about it because it's um I didn't spend a lot of time with him in the later years, but he means so much just to our community alone. You know, he's, he, he was the guy that made it and he's the guy that, that, uh, went all in, like it was, it was ride or die for him to be what he became and and he earned every piece of it. And then he was just have it be coming back full circle and to him coming home to do a, Mm -hmm. show with us and to be part of it it was just like it took me back to high school all the way to everything we've accomplished and watching him blow up and it was like what a what a what a very sad thing that was for all of us and so we took a year between uh the time that chester passed away and the time was about eight months but we took uh some time and i i thought that was it we're you know chester's gone we're, we're done 
Um, but then we started talking and we were, you know, it was meant to be one show, but then we started rehearsing. We started talking about recording, started doing a little bit of recording and started doing some other things. We had other shows lined up. So it was starting to become more of a, a thing that was going to be, you know, obviously Lincoln Park is his thing, but he had his time in between records where he would be dedicating to this, this project and he was all in on it. So we decided, you know, what the hell, let's, let's finish the record. And we didn't think about record deals or think about anything. We just said, let's go into the studio and just complete this record. So we have it. Yeah. And when we did that, we did a couple of things. We were recording the songs in their original format. And then we had some producers helping us that we kind of completely rearranged the songs and kind of modernized them. And we, as we were going through that process, we're like, that's way cooler to us because it puts a 2021 or whatever year it was spin on it. 2020. When we started recording this, um, put that spin on it and it was just cool to be able to be creative again but then we used the vocals that chester put down when he was 17 and 21 years old respectively on so he had two different records that we could pull vocals from mm. and um you know we picked a handful of songs and we did them and we ended up getting a record deal and putting it out and it became a bigger thing than any of us really expected but it was uh it was a pretty amazing thing and then we ended up doing a uh acoustic record mid um you know between we have a record coming out in a couple of days and then we did the first record we did a acoustic record midway through and my nephew actually took his life oh. literally the day before i was leaving to go record I'm and so, so sorry. i i called those guys and i said i can't do it i can't come i'm you're gonna have to find somebody else to to do it and we have you know people that could have come in and played guitar it's it's not the hardest thing in the world to do but um yeah you know it's uh so i but i just i decided i would go out and do it and it's the best thing i did i mean being around those guys and being able to make music and, and do that really kind of helped me take my mind off that stuff but i mean obviously you know suicide and that is a, is a big big thing for me in, in prevention and awareness and all that stuff i don't know what you can even do to stop that stuff but i just wish people would if you're in that mode and you're feeling mm -hmm. that way just pause and take a minute sleep on it yeah. Maybe tomorrow it won't be as bad. I don't know what it's like to be in that situation. So I can't, I can't speak to it, but I just wish that, that we could have them pause. We ended up calling our first record amends because one of Chester's vocals is if I had a second chance, I'd make amends. And that just made us all break into tears every time oh, we hear wow. it. Cause it's like, if you just had a day to say, like I was in this mind frame right now mm -hmm. and I'm glad I slept it off and I feel better today. And I've got a lot of things to live for. So he's a happy guy, you know, it was like, yeah it was kind of out of the blue and the same thing with my nephew. I would have never in a million years ever thought that's something that he would have done. And, and he did. So, yeah. And also you don't even realize like what happens to your whole world around you. Like you, it, people are just like, why, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really sad that it can't just be that one pause for it. Yep. You know, what, you know, um, I'm sorry, sorry to make it no, a little no, heavy here. No, no, it's okay. No, I mean, you know, while, while, while we're on this, I want to, it's a good thing to, to spend a, 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 you know, a couple of minutes talking about while we have that tiger by its tail. Uh, to this day, I have, since I got to LA, I've lost, I think, five different friends to suicide. Entertainers that were good, working, successful. Mm-hmm. And, and about Brody uh, is one of Brody, one of them. Yeah, Brody's one of them. We were in Seattle together, comedy that, underground. That I didn't, I didn't know him super well. We weren't like tight I, friends or anything like that. But he was a person that was just nice to me 
and would uh, sometimes at the store let me get up on the headliners uh, when I was still, you know, still probably should have been up in the belly room. He, you know, he'd sneak me in and get me there. I mean, just a really nice person. But I want, but here's my question since I've been through it, I don't know if have you been through that, Ro? I hope you haven't, but have you? Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, not, well, indirectly, I, I'll never forget when uh, I first heard about like a friend from, when I say I went to college, I went for like a semester to like the community college, but we had a friend from there that did it, but in a way I'd never heard of, and it was just so shocking because he did it where he couldn't do it, and he did like that um rainy night car chase kind of thing and he had the cops do it and he actually right. like wrote right. a note to them and i'll never forget i was like oh my like just the the amount that you take to go and it's just so sad that it couldn't have been more of a like you always think was it and i wasn't close with him at all but i i'll never forget like you think about like oh we've we've crossed paths we've had words we've you know ex what was it that push that person over to 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 do it well i really. I, I can tell you that for me um I, maybe it's okay if i say I, I i hope no one's offended if i say it but one of one of my really good friends was sam sarpong and uh, i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe when sam jumped off this bridge and mm -hmm. uh here in la and um and what i and what i kept thinking then as now um, and this is with my other friends as well who committed suicide, but especially with Sam, is what did I miss? Mm, yeah. What did I miss? And, and I keep uh, so when we have a when we have a moment like this, I like to ask because maybe I'm never going to find what I missed, you know, or maybe there was nothing to miss. I'm but but miss. I, I, I'm I, what I'm interested in to the best of our abilities. Um, what 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 can we say? What can we say right now? Uh, to people who when they start moving towards that dark tunnel because um, I know that for me uh, I'm a manic depressive and I can get really really low and I know I have to guard myself against that all the time because I used to believe um, and I think a lot of people in Hollywood go through this that well if I get celebrity and if I get money and if I get these things then I I won't be sad and if mm -hmm. everybody loves me, then I won't be sad. And then I, you get the money and you get the celebrity and you get the people loving you and you're still sad. Oh yeah. It doesn't go away. It's still there. So I'm, I guess the question is, is from what we've learned from these three situations, is there, is there anything we can even, that we can say to put out there? Because, um, I don't know. what I, uh, I, don't know. I, I think every, every situation is unique, obviously, but I mean, I, I think that, um, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I would have missed. And I, I unfortunately have five of these things myself, um, mm -hmm. starting when I was 16, uh, up until two years ago when I lost my nephew. And so I don't think there's anything I miss. I, well, I maybe I could miss something, but I don't think there was anything that I'm like, Oh shit. If I would have just yeah right did this, I could have helped things. I had a, I have a hug ready for anybody that's, uh, having a bad day. You know what I mean? So yeah, me too. I, I would I would be more than happy to get on the phone with anybody that's having a problem. That and that, and that was and that was exactly the thing that I struggled with the most with Sam was that that I mean, we talked all the time. So it's like, why didn't he call me? And maybe and sometimes I think maybe I'm I'm giving myself 
too much on my back. I'm not God. You can't yeah. reach in and, yes. and you know, I, but I, 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 mean, it's... I just want for people to just never, just never, never, never know that tomorrow's coming. It's going to get better. I know you maybe don't feel like it is, but it will. Well, the thing that I find interesting too is I've, I've read some things and seen some documentaries on people that have tried to commit suicide and then they didn't, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And they said this, like, I, there's one that's interesting about people jumping off the Golden Street Bridge. Yeah. The bridge, yeah. You know, I don't know if you saw that when the guy was like, the yes. second I left, I was like, shit, what did I do? Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, there's no take backs to that thing. So it's like, that's why I say sleep on it. You know, if I would probably say different stuff if we were recording this because I don't want to send the wrong message, but I'm saying, but. The, the message would be sleep on it. If you still feel the same way, I don't know what to say, but I hope sleeping on it would give you that yeah. time to say, okay, that was a moment and it's passed. And now I can get back to yeah. all the amazing things that I have in my life. And to your point, like money and fame and all those things, I don't, it doesn't change who you are. It's like, that's I have friends in a wheelchair. I'm getting super dark on us. No, <laughs> no, you go. I've got a that's friend that's in a wheelchair for. and, um, talk. and I, I told him, I said, I said, his name's John. I said, John, you're always so happy. And he broke his neck uh, his senior year of high school at his high school um, graduation party. He jumped off the diving board at his grandparents' house and broke his neck. And, oh. and so I said, John, you're always so happy. How do you not let that accident control your life? I go, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think I would be able to take it as well as you do. And he goes, you are who you are before you were in the chair. Oh. And I think, I think that's, that's the message, right? You, you just, you just are who you are. None of these things or these accomplishments or these accolades or any of that stuff changes who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, one thing I think that was fortunate about my upbringing, in my childhood is we were kind of dirt poor and then we were kind of rich and then we were dirt poor again. And it, it taught me that, cause I was an asshole when we got rich, I'll be honest. Um, okay. It changed me. I, I thought I was, I, I was kicking ass and better than other people. And it was not absolutely not true. And I got to learn that lesson very quickly in my youth. When, and when, yeah. when I got to the place where I was getting record deals and getting things that people would seem like could potentially be envious of, or that type of thing, I didn't allow it to go to my head because I knew that most of these things are temporary anyways, right? Like we're going to be excited about my record coming out and next year, no one's going to talk about it. So it's, it's yeah. <laughs> you ride the wave and you ride the roller coaster and you take the good when you have the good and you realize that it's a little bit fake and it's going to, and it's going to go away at some point. So it's enjoy it while you're here and then realize it's, it's not permanent. And like, that's the thing I think with um, doing this great days records, which I think is one of the things that's been the most positive about it was we're really present during this. I know I'm not making more records after this, at least not on this scale, right? So I soak up every bit of this. I got to play guitar with Dave Navarro, who's like a hero of mine. Yeah, um, great. I used to yeah. I used to go to sleep listening to Jane's Addiction's first record every night in high school. Um, so I got to sit in a room with Dave Navarro and he actually put a guitar solo and wrote some parts over a song that I wrote um, musically. So it was like, that's, I was very present for that. And I soaked that whole thing in because it was amazing. And it's likely never going to happen again, but I got to at least enjoy it and enjoy it and, and soak it in. So it was a really good and positive experience. And I was able to, you know, at this age, really take the time to enjoy what I was doing. It's, you know, the journey is always way better than the destination. Yes, yes. You know what? I, I think that, that you're nailing it. I think that when you said being present, because when you're present, you know, um, you're not on cruise control. And one thing that I think a lot of my friends and, and myself, when I get into those, uh, my problem is chemical. 
you know, the, something in the brain that changes and then you, you go into this depression, but it's, uh, uh, but, 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 but being present, being, being in the moment has helped so much because it takes you off of that cruise control, that movie that's playing in your head and lets you know, Hey, you know what? Think things can get better. You know what? I don't have to sit here. I can get up and go outside. I can go for a walk. I can call a friend. I am in control and that, and that of, of the things that I do. And yeah. it makes me more present when I say, Bobby, what do you see? And I do say that to myself out loud, Bobby, what do you see? And so I see the plants. I see the, and for some reason, it's something that my wife taught me. She's a, she's a, she's a psychologist. So God knows what he's doing. It's like, <laughs> this boy is going to need somebody. So who <laughs> knows the brain and, uh, it helps. So I hope, I, I guess that's something for me. I hope that if, if anybody hears that and what we're talking about, especially with suicide, um, not especially with suicide. If anyone here is just talking about this, which is suicide, you know, talking about suicide, please be present. Because if you get off of cruise control and you get back present, you start to look and see everything all around you. And you start to see, you know what? It's not that bad. It's okay. Yeah. And and it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. I can help this get better. And, and the, like I said, the journey is the fun part. Like when I look back on comedy that I've done or music that I've made, like the journey, like sitting in a rehearsal room with the band and being mean to each other and talking shit was the funnest part of it. Going and playing shows and stuff, it, it's okay. Making records is okay, but it's it's creating the, the music and it's like, well, that's supposed you know, to be why you got in comedy because that's all we do is sit around and be yeah. mean to each other. Yeah, sit in the back of the room and it's be shitty to everybody that's around you at all times. That's <laughs> when you're with all your friends and they're all comics and no one says anything nice about anybody. Right? Yeah, it's, it's one of the yeah. things I miss about like I'm an old man now, but it, like the way comedy was back in the day was it was kind of mean and brutal and i kind of missed that about it i like <laughs> i like that you know i i like that type of comedy it's just what i grew i grew up listening to eddie murphy and mm -hmm. and george carlin and all those guys and i feel like it was a little mean and i i gravitate towards that style of comedy and i think one of the things that's a problem with comedy is they don't genre it so you can get a super clean comic and then a super edgy dirty comic on the same bill and somebody's not going to enjoy one or both of those and so yeah. if you if you set the you know set the stick no one would go see slayer and uh you know billy eilish on the same bill it would make no fucking sense but i, I would go see that show but the pig destroyer and billy eilish or something crazy like that but um it's not like sepultura and pantera that just goes together that's right <laughs> you guys completely lost good, me right there i have no reference. idea you're talking about the sepultura used to live in arizona when they were writing that record roots we rehearsed right next to him so i got to watch oh them God. write that entire record it was the most amazing thing ever as i was uh storming the mosh pit at nasa coliseum when i was like 16. yeah i was in hey. one of my first bands, the band i was in uh when when chester started gray days i was in a band that was like super heavy and uh we got to open up and so all my stories sound made up when I talk this stuff, but okay. the, the bass player and the singer of my band was also really good friends with Kerry King from Slayer. So he did all of his tattoos. And so when Slayer came to Phoenix, we got to open up for him, which oh, if cool. you're in a band and you get to open up for Slayer, yeah. kindly refuse. You just get murdered. By <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I learned about mosh pits is that black folks should never be in them because I learned, <laughs> you know what, I learned that I take shit personally. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when somebody's like mosh and dancing, I'm no. hey, motherfucker. 
Nobody, you know, and now, nobody and, should be you know, and, 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 you, and I'm there beating somebody half to death on the floor and thinking, oh, wait, I was supposed to just be dancing. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> man. Well, Sorry, so, man. I'm going to leave. I'm going to so, leave. Kristen, you go from like what I love what you said, because um, you said, oh, I've got, you actually in the sentence, which I thought was hilarious. You said, I've got to find something more stable. So I tried comedy. Um, <laughs> and I know you didn't like <laughs> I, I know well, you've you never know. had to deal with a drummer or a singer there's a, uh, a... <laughs> well, a, a drum, I, I do want to ask you about who you've worked with but I do know uh, I have opened for bands and there's nothing worse than a comedian that comes out and you hear bring out Ash you're like okay he's gonna be here in like five minutes okay they just wanted comedy for some reason okay <laughs> well, be well, right out Okay. Try opening up for Slayer. It's oh, like God. they're like, we could kill you if that's going to get Slayer out here yeah, faster. No, and I. Willing to do it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, so then you go and you're like, let me try comedy and see if that's less degrading, um, which it isn't. Um, but you, oh, no, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's way brutal, more brutal. brutal. Um, There's nothing worse than bombing. It feels so oh, bad. Oh, it's the and most. Everybody gets to experience it. Yes, it's the most personal thing in the oh, world. Yeah. It's like it's the we most personal thing. Hate when... you. Well, not yeah, your band. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Not, not your band. Even worse. Not, not, not even worse than hating you, you <laughs> e even worse than hating you they hate your thoughts yes <laughs> they hate what you fucking thought to say to them tonight they that's, hate your family your they hate your family they hate your life experiences <laughs> they literally hate you and yeah. like uh, yeah, i mean i always tell people you know okay. they say what have you ever bombed and i always tell people you know what i bombed so bad once once I bought so bad that I mean they just booed and booed and booed. Man, I just went home crying. Man, I was the phone rang and I picked it up and it was booed. It was still booing. Yes. Tell me, tell me that's so how bad. bad. It's I bombed. Bad. Yeah, it's I was getting texted. I was getting texts that said boo. It just kept going. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's the worst I used to say, thing in the world. I came here to do my comedy for you, but I will do it to you if yeah. you're an asshole. Yeah. So if you start. If you start being assholes, the whole set changes, and I start digging in on the jokes that I know are going to hurt you more yes. than they're going to hurt me. So yes. let's, you get to choose your own adventure. But see, now I wish wisely, I could you know? do that. I, I'm a Midwesterner, and we're not, we don't have that machinery that, to be mean. Oh, so I do. I, I'm I, from I, I, just, yeah. I just take it. No, I'm Row from, on the other I'm hand. I'm from New York. I learned, I, I started in New York. I, I'm like, what do you got? Bring it. Let's do it. Yeah, mean is my um, default setting. Yes, no, no, no doubt. I, I, when I first see another human being, I spot the most hideous thing about them, and then in my mind, I had to say, "That's a person. Don't think that about them." And then I can find all the nice stuff about them. But it's a weird. Yeah, thing I'm, I'm the exact opposite. When I see somebody, I always see the best things yeah. about them first. You know, and I, I, I if I, I, if I end up seeing anything bad at all, yeah, Midwesterner yeah. man, I got. Yeah, I, right. I mean, I can take it. I can take the beating. I don't like it, yeah. but I can't. But I have a really hard time fighting back. Well, that's the thing. When people see me, there's several things they could notice that are completely off, and they should make fun <laughs> of me for it. And I'm, I'm totally cool with that too. But it's I'd, I'd rather be nice first and and mean later. But I, always, I used to joke around and say that I was a sour patch kid because it's like <laughs> immediately I'm like, eh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's hug and let's be friendly and let's make sure everybody's okay. But I I have that default of like, oh my god, look at your hair look at your oh, shoes, yeah. whatever you know what I mean like that's <laughs> how, do you do, how do you do that well, you somebody you... comes in you're like oh man you look at you man with that big shoe on you got a gimp leg look at you gippy. <laughs> look at you gippy. Yeah, exactly. hey 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 gippy I love you but, man come on bring it but, in bring it in but look bring how smart in. you are and look how good you are at everything else that's that's <laughs> way more important and better but like I noticed the fuck up thing first it's a it's no, a no, no. In, in, I don't in want that it. joke you were the guy 
who yeah. was who was noticing <laughs> the guy with the shoe. Well, also, and yet you want a hug from him afterwards. Come on, bring it I, in. Bring it in, Gippy. Bring it in. Well, it's one of the things about comedy. That, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say because you opened for Doug Stanhope um, for a yeah. while, and mm-hmm. um, how? Because I've opened up for people that you know, it, you know how a, <laughs> a certain comic can bring yeah. a certain crowd. Yeah. Can you? Oh, yes. Um, what what was his crowd like for you? Well, the first time I opened up for him uh, in Phoenix, it was like he had just done a Howard Stern interview, yeah. and so it was a ton of Howard Stern fans and they're like Slayer fans. They're <laughs> like, bring, bring on Doug Stanhope and please you go die in the corner quickly. We don't want you to, we don't even want you breathing our air anymore. You, you're horrible. And so <laughs> oh, it was, uh, but it's, it's one of those things. I think that's what makes you better, right? You yeah. have to, you know, even opening up for Slayer, we didn't do that bad. We won them over by the end. And that's kind of what you have to go for with that stuff. Yeah. Like it's like doing a loud shitty bar show. You're like, all right, nobody's paying attention, but if I can get, seven of you motherfuckers listen to me i'm gonna be doing all right you know (laughs) and so that's that was the thing with with doug and he was i i actually bought a house in bisbee right behind doug so i'm i'm his neighbor now kind of when i go there but i haven't even seen him since i i bought that house it's been like all pandemic time but right i kind of lost touch with him a little bit he's he's actually a very sweet guy Mm. you wouldn't might not know it from his comedy but he's a he's a really cool guy outside of comedy and then obviously yeah. he's amazing he's another uh, another one of the comics that met up in seattle just a, a nice you know cool guy mm-hmm. not anybody like i said that i got close with friendship but just when you run into him nice people mm-hmm. yeah and did you yeah. so how long do you ever go i want to do co- I, comedy again or are you more like i'm just into the music like how do you feel about I think it i'm just doing music i mean I'm, it's it's like when I always use this analogy because like when I, I played baseball when I was younger and then I took seventh and eighth grade off and then I tried out for baseball uh, my freshman year when everybody else kept going those two years and they were so much better than me. I was like, I got cut and I did not make it there. I think that's what I feel like with comedy. I mean, everybody's so much better than me now and, and it's all changed. None of my jokes can work anymore because I said horrible shit. And oh, yeah. it's it, it's not, not that I, that makes it sound really bad. I wasn't doing, you know, racist and rape jokes and things like that but i have <laughs> yeah. my yeah. my I don't, I don't think that's funny and yeah to start with but no, i know yeah. uh, to but start I with about... i like how you said to start with <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like i would i would i had some jokes about my girlfriend's brother and he's got cerebral palsy yeah and so i was never making fun of him for having cerebral palsy of course not i've never yeah. making fun of him for being handicapped yeah. what i was making fun of were the odd situations that happened in our house because he was yeah. there and it was like yes I never made him the the villain in the joke because he wasn't. And yeah. Um, I yeah, made jokes about how big and amazing his dick is, right? So, I mean, there's no victim in that, right? But but you hear a wheelchair and people shut down and they hate you immediately before you can get to the funny stuff. So it's like, I would have to completely redo all my thinking around that stuff because it's just a different world now. And it's it's I think people get triggered on certain words. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you listen to the whole joke and put it into context, it's not, it has nothing to do about him being in a wheelchair. And like, I had a joke about him falling out of his wheelchair, which was actually my friend, John, the guy I mentioned earlier in, in the show, but I can't just have seven crippled people that I'm talking yeah, about. during a lot of things. So I made them one person and made a, a yeah. you know, I'm trying to condense the time here. I'm trying to get to the funny shit real quick. Yeah. And they're like, but how was, many um, wheelchair people do you have? And yeah, why do right. you look at their dicks? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, when you have, a, it's, it's a long story, but I did accidentally have to see the kid's dick. He, was, <laughs> he, he, uh, he damaged it 
And oh, um, I was the only male in the house and he didn't want to show his sister. It's my wife's right. brother. So oh, I, yeah. had to look I at mean, it. I like, get it. Yeah. She was like, he's got blood in his underwear. And I'm like, oh, shit, is it in front of the back? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to know. <laughs> oh. But he, he, he was masturbating with his elbow. He didn't know any better. He's not bad. We didn't want to make fun of it. But he, you know, ground a hole. No, every guy. Every and now guy. I can look at this thing and I'm like, Rose gifted in a lot of ways, you know? So yeah. it's, uh it was a thing. So I, I talked about it because I thought it was funny. And he's family. And I think that if I'm not, for me, it's like, if I'm not being mean to you, I probably don't like you that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. that's how I, that's my love language is like busting balls and being a jerk to my friends. And it's, that's the funnest part of everything. But sometimes right. I think people get, um, and some people don't like that. And so it's, it's hard to know when you can and can't do that with some people. Oh, well, yeah. And also too, I mean, just, just the, the parallel of, of, uh, comedy and music it's just there's so many you know com commonalities between them like if you have a bad show but I think because I've done improv and I'm like look I'd rather bomb with a bunch of people on stage because it's all of us together than by myself yeah, music is so much better it's a gang you're up there with your dudes and like, it's us against you but yeah. when you're up there with a microphone in your hand being like it's just me and my thoughts now I like that better because I don't I learned from doing several years of improv that I don't play well with other kids. Like you hand me the ball and it's like, if I'm killing it, you're gonna have to take that ball from me because when, I'm not gonna throw it back. And that's not good in improv. Well, I, think, I think you need, I think comedy, we need to allow people to figure it out a little more than we do. I think people are mm -hmm. up there and like, people always do the shittiest, worst, stupid jokes when they first start out because they don't know any oh, better, right? And they yeah. think it's the right. hanging fruit and it's not. It's actually the hardest stuff to make funny is those taboo topics. Right. Yes. But people lean in on them. I think that's okay to a degree. It's not like you're not being a complete piece of shit, but if you're trying to work some shit out, most of the time the comics will tell you that's not cool and you need to fix it. And then the audience will tell you not to fix it. will tell you to fix it by not laughing. The worst thing you can do to a comic is not laugh at them. So if if they're up there trying that material and it's not working, they're not going to continue to do it. It's going to self-correct to a degree. So I think that mm -hmm. some in some ways, I don't think we offer a safe space for that process to happen and people to grow. And, and the yeah. counter argument is do better, be better at that stuff. And I, oh, I think that's sure. right too. But yeah. I think that we have to give people a minute to take their lumps on stage to realize, oh shit, that's stupid. I shouldn't say that shit. You know? Yeah, and it's also attention spans too. You're working with attention spans. They've shortened right. tremendously right. over the years of and like just yeah. get to and it. Yeah. And and I feel yeah. like stand up's almost a lost dying art because I, I love stand up and I rarely see stand up that I like anymore. It's all mm -hmm. it's just not my thing anymore. But um there's exceptions for sure. But I, I just think I love it. I love going to a, mm -hmm. a dive bar and and, and watching 10 open mic comics in front of seven people. I love it. I think that's a true litmus test of if you're funny or not. If you can get seven non-comics that are watching comedy in a dive bar, if you can make them laugh, yeah. I think that you're, you're onto something. Is it making a big group of people laugh is, is almost easier. Easier, it's almost, yeah. Um, Especially ones that paid to come to a comedy show. Right. Like, right. they know they're there. Try turning off the freaking game at a bar. Right. Yeah. Like, here's some right. comedy. Right. And, but I like I'm a huge Patrice O'Neill fan. So I subscribe mm. to the the theory that if I can get seven out of a hundred people in this room to like me, I'm calling that one hundred percent a win. Yeah. <laughs> I only need those seven. Those seven that will go on a journey with me and, and and allow some of the roughness to be overlooked because we're getting to a funnier thing. Those are the people I want to make laugh. The other ninety-three that are 
sitting there with their arms crossed, oh, yeah. like make me laugh. I, I don't have an interest in making entertaining those people. I just really don't. It's I, I say this all the time too, and this would never happen, but I would love to do comedy again. If somebody came to see me do comedy, because oh, they give yeah. you a break and they allow you to do it. Yeah, I wouldn't go to a place where they came to see random comedy. Maybe we'll like it. Maybe we won't. But if somebody came to see Kristen Davis do his comedy stuff, then I think people would, you know, at least give it a chance to be funny. And if, it, I, if I wasn't funny, that was on me. But some of the kind of preconceived shittiness that you get from some audiences yeah. is more than I care to deal with anymore. I just, I, if I'm being honest, I'm never going to be a super successful stand com- comedian. It's an awesome hobby for me. I think it's super fun and I love the art, but it's not going to pay the bills. So I would not want to go out and do comedy and I'm trying something funny and it doesn't land and offend somebody and I lose my job over it. That's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. Um, do you want to ask the next no, question? Ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. I feel like I'm doing the color commentary and you're handling the heavier work. Oh, okay. I talk way too fast and way too much. So no, I love it. Listen, I mean, no, I love it. Off, I love it. You're fine. Yeah, you're, you're great. Uh, you're great. I can keep up with fast talking, no problem. But I want to, because we are talking about how things changed. So you and, you know, your band, they, we, you've got like a hundred thousands of downloads and stuff, but you decided not to go out on tour, right? And is it like one of those, is there a reason behind that? Um, other, I mean, I understand if it's a shitty tour and it's like, oh, we're staying at the Motel 6 and we're all in one room. But I'm assuming you could get a little better of a deal. Yeah, because you guys have yeah. like hundreds of thousands. You guys, uh, I think it's a little over 100,000. Uh, uh, we've, sold? We've, sold? we've sold. So the weird thing is like with record sales now, because everything's streaming, you know, so yeah. it's not like true record sales and and rock is not at the top of the list of things that get streamed these days too so there's a bunch of that going on but we the amount of records we sold i was like oh, i don't know if that's good or that's bad and then i talked to a record label about one of their bands that is touring and is current and is a bigger band and we didn't sell that many less than them so mm. i think you'd be surprised at how many records people are selling these days i was mm. certainly surprised but um it kind of just is what it is. So the, the way you make money and the way you, you can generate a living from it is touring and selling yeah. merchandise. And we can't do that. And we don't do that. And I'll, I'll tell you why we don't. Um, and it's, it's because of Chester, right? So mm. we would never want to do anything that would even remotely come across as us disrespecting Chester. Got it. And I think that we're honest with ourselves and we know that this band is very Chester centric, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's us for us, it's telling his origin story because I think that's super important and I think it's super cool and I think it's super awesome to hear him sing the way he did when people first fell in love with him. Yeah. But hear it on other music because he was doing that way before Lincoln Park. Not to take away anything from Lincoln Park. I love Lincoln Park too, but it's um, yeah. Chester was Chester long before he ever even met those guys. And so we're exposing some of that raw talent that he had as a you know 16 to 20 year old kid. I mean, it was mm. it's amazing. And when we're in the studio, like listening to him isolated. So pulling all the music down and just listening to Chester's voice. It is incredible what he does with it. All the nuance, all the really light stuff to that incredible scream he does. It's just, it's mind boggling to, to be like, I'm listening to like literally a worldwide icon who just happens to be my homie from high school. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it gives you like a bit of a mind fuck to separate yourself and be like, Oh, wow. Like we did an acoustic thing. So it was just me and Chester. And so mm-hmm. I have in my headphones and I just hear him and I'm playing, I, I hear me and him, but um, listening to just him sing while I'm playing guitar, it can bring me to tears. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy how good he was. And so 
we wouldn't tour because of that. Um, mm-hmm. And you, um, and you so, never got another lead thing. I'm assuming it's like him. He, all the vocals are him. Yeah, all the vocals Very are 100% cool. Chester. So we had a couple of guests come in and, and sing. So on the first record, well, let me just go back. We had two records that they did. And one of the things that they did that was brilliant, and I'm so glad they did, was when they went to go record as you know 17 and 20-year-old kids, they saved up extra money so they could buy really expensive mics for the recording or rent really expensive mics for the recording. So the vocal performances are, are incredible. That's awesome. And so we pulled all the music off use Chester's vocals and then put new music underneath it, which is like when you're writing music, typically in all the bands I've been in, you write the music and then the singer puts his vocal on top of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we did the opposite and it's really weird to do that because you have to, you know, play in certain keys and there's certain things you can do. And then, but with computers now you can change the time signature. You can change, you can cut a part of a song out and put it in another song. We did some of that on the new record. So it was like, it's crazy what you can do. And then you can take a single vocal line and then double it digitally and then separate it just slightly. So it gives that sort of stereo effect. So there's all sorts of crazy movie magic that happens in yeah, right uh, right. music now mm. that allowed ask, us to, to do this. So let me ask you, oh, I'm sorry. Me ask you this. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm wondering what, what are you, what, what are you listening to these days? Like, what are your, like your tops? I've been listening. So I listen to full disclosure. I listen to whatever my wife listens to. Uh. <laughs> I don't play a lot of music these days. It's weird. I, I've just kind of gotten away from from playing music. I think music broke my heart about 15 years ago, and I kind of mm-hmm. stepped away from it a little bit. So I and I work from home, so I'm never in an environment where I can really listen to the radio except for when I'm in my car for five minutes at a time. But um, she's listening to Orville Peck, so I've been listening to a ton of Orville Peck. You know who he is? No, I don't. It's like he's like it's like cowboy music. He's a gay guy. He's got this. Uh, he wears this mask and it's got the long fringe on it and the cowboy hat. You might've seen that picture or something, but no. he's incredible. He's got a really deep voice and it's almost like Johnny Cash ish. Nice. Mm. Um, What's so his name again? That. What's that? What's his name? Orville, Orville Peck. Orville Peck. Orville Peck. That's, so that's, that's been playing a lot right. in the house. And I, I listened to all the old stuff that I loved growing up. I listened to Depeche Mode. I listened to, um, you know, Alice in Chains mm-hmm. and Jane's Addiction. All that stuff is what I like when I get in the car, I put on, um, uh god now i can't think it's radio station it's the 90s station that plays all the throwback stuff so i listen yeah. to nirvana and yeah all those bands so i i'm keeping it old school I, I don't really listen to much new stuff although i do think that our record is incredible and that's i'm mm. completely biased but just the whole it, it's it's kind of almost like 90s throwback with chester's vocals but yeah. with a modern spin on the music and to me that's that's that hits my sweet spot it's like that's that's what I love to listen to. And like being part of it is, is kind of unfair for me to say how good it is, but I kind of removed myself from it because I really listened to it from a Chester perspective and just to hear him scream like that and do, do his vocals. It's, it's incredible. Well, speaking of sweet spots, we have hit our sweet spot, which is the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, I could sit here and listen to you talk music, man, for another hour. <laughs> I'll sit and talk music with you all day, but um, we want people to go out and get great A's, go get get all their stuff. You know, mm-hmm. because like I know that when I get home tonight, I'm gonna look it up and get some stuff and hear it because of, like just how you explained it, you may you know you just want to be a part of that mm-hmm. somehow. You know, when you hear when you hear those rock stories and whether they've ended well or not, it's like you know the music. There's something in it, and you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we're all done. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. We're all we're we're out of time. We got. Oh, well, so we no, have to go. They're putting guns to our heads. Find, where can we find? Where can we find you? You can find us on uh, Spotify. You can find us on graydaysmusic.com. You can find us on the radio, on YouTube, on anywhere where digital music is found and, and in most record stores. And I'm not sure when this comes out, but we have a new record and we haven't announced the release date, but we're going to start. Our first song comes out uh, April 15th, April 14th or April 15th. So they release like three or four songs before a record comes out. So our record will be out in like June, but if awesome. music's going to start creeping out that we, we did during the pandemic that we wrote during the pandemic, there's yeah. a crazy story. I could tell you some other time. All right. Um, well, well about but, that. I was so, so, uh, uh, will you come back and see us and tell us those stories? I absolutely will. Anytime you want. Right on, man. Cause we want you to come back. No, All right. It. All right. We've got a guy like everyone's heads are exploding in our studio here because I'm taking too much time. So right. uh, we're, we're walking on the show. Thank you, Kristen, man. You are the man. You're beautiful. Thank you for being here. You oh, are very awesome. Much. My pleasure. We and, do. Uh, we and, do like to ask one. Oh, question, or the last question. I'm sorry. If um, you were never to see us again, uh, what kind of what piece of advice would you give us before you left? Oh, man, I don't have any advice for you guys. You guys are killing it. Oh, I no, just life, life advice. Any life, life advice? advice? Yeah. Uh, I, th I think I'd go back to that, just be in the moment. I think enjoy the journey. It's way funner than the destination. So mm -hmm. soak up the soak up all of it. It's it's not just, uh, I, I feel like artists specifically have a lot of desperation in their heart. I know I do. Mm -hmm. And when you eliminate that and you can just be there and enjoy the stuff you're doing, so much better. That's amazing. Thank you, Kristen. I appreciate Thank you, Kristen. it. Thank you. Thanks oh. for joining us on the BD Freeman Show with Rodel Grazzi. Yes, thanks for joining us. And we can't wait to see you again, man. It's going to be a good time. Thank All right. All right, everybody. That's it for the show this week. So yes. like we always say here on the BD Freeman show with Della Grande. Oh, be good to the person on your left. <laughs> be good to the person on your right. And be real good to the person in the middle because that person you. is you, baby. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bing, 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 bing. Thank you.